You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for that welcome. <laughs> good, good. Lovely to be with you. And uh, exciting, really, just to uh, worship and hear God speaking by his uh, spirit about many of the things that I've already prepared to talk about. So in some ways, you're already flowing in terms of what uh, I have the responsibility to uh, share with you uh, this morning. My uh, uh, task today is to finish the sermon that Tom started last week. So Tom, uh, we've been working uh, on our series through 1 Samuel, and Tom yesterday, 1 Samuel 17 and other verses around there, was looking at the story, the well-known narrative of David and Goliath, and he has uh, been unpacking that story for us. Um, I'm delighted with the direction that Tom has taken the message. Often uh, preachers, when we, we preach about David, we, we put ourselves in David's shoes, and it's, it's preaching as though we're David, and Goliath are the things that we face, and how can we overcome our Goliaths, and that's a very perfectly uh, correct and legitimate way to apply that uh, particular episode to our own lives, but Tom has has taken it to a deeper level, uh, which is very, very important. And uh, this is that we know that David is often portrayed in Scripture as a what we would call a type of Jesus. And what that means, uh, typology in Christian thinking concerns the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what it It's a sort of a way of interpreting Scripture that helps us see that events and certain characters and statements and things that we read in the Old Testament, in a sense, are illustrating to us things that are going to be coming to us in the New Testament through the person and life of Jesus Christ himself. So an example, an obvious example would be Jonah. Jesus refers to this this example even Himself, you know, Jonah was swallowed by a fish for three days and then, you know, emerged from the fish as if uh, back from the dead in order to uh, be used as an instrument of deliverance by God. And, uh, you know, in the same way, Jesus was in the tomb for three days and then was raised from the dead. And that's a typical type. And David, as King David, is a type to us of Jesus. His story, his emergence as the divinely anointed king of Israel is a rich type of the messianic kingship of Jesus as our deliverer. And we can particularly see that here in this encounter between David and Goliath. I'm not going to go into detail about that. Tom has already done that for us. But you can see this uh, foreshadowing of Jesus, this uh, speaking to us about Jesus as we read this story here. Goliath is this huge, terrible enemy that no one is able to withstand. And he struck fear and doom into every heart. So he is a type of the devil, of Satan, this enemy. This was not an ordinary battle between two armies. This was a battle that would be settled by one representative from each side. Goliath against David, Satan against Jesus. David was sent into battle by his father Jesse. Likewise, the father sent Jesus down to wage war on our behalf. Like David, Jesus was rejected and not taken seriously by his own brothers. David 
had learnt dependence upon God and obedience to God, as Tom was illustrating last week. And this equipped him to take on Goliath. And similarly, we can read in Hebrews 5 how Jesus himself learnt obedience. And it was through obedience, even to the cross, that Jesus was able to defeat the devil. And so, as we read about this battle between David representing the fearful people of Israel against Goliath representing all the hordes of evil, we can see this is a type for us, how David's decisive victory over Goliath speaks to us of the full and final victory of Jesus Christ over Satan. Can you see that? So rather than putting ourselves in the place of David, that application and explanation of that episode puts us in the place of the people of Israel. We're the fearful ones who are in the grip of this enemy. None of us can do anything about it. But we have a representative in Jesus Christ who, through obedience and a pebble, as Tom said, struck the enemy and has cut his head off and rendered him powerless. So your enemy is dead because Jesus has cut his head off. Amen? Jesus has won the victory. We are delivered from our enemy to live a free life, rejoicing in the full benefits of what Christ has obtained for us. This is the gospel. There's a great song we used to sing a while back. Any old fans of Ron Cannoli? Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord of the nations. He is enthroned on righteousness. He is enthroned on justice. His blood has overcome the enemy of our souls. He is our mighty deliverer. Hallelujah. Christ has taken on the enemy of our souls, defeated him through dependence and obedience, cut off his head, rendered him powerless. So last week, Tom showed us how decisive this victory is. It is a decisive victory already won. How Israel then were able to live in the good of that victory and went ahead and plundered the enemy's camp and took all the spoil and took all of the benefits of the victory won by their representative, David. And so for us, we can take all the plunder and spoil and live in the good of the victory that Jesus has won for us. That is what Jesus is beckoning us towards, okay? Tom last week looked at what that would look like for us as a church together. Our mission locally and globally, the building project that will require big finances and so on and so forth. He said, right now, here we are. We can go, go, go. We can go into all the world. We can trust God to provide for us for all the things that he's called us to do. And what I've been asked to look at today is how does this apply to us as individuals? So if... Christ has won the victory for us. What does it look like for us to live in the good of that victory? And also to ask ourselves the question, are you living in the good of that victory? Are you enjoying this freedom? We've been singing about it. It's amazing. I think the worship leaders have been looking over my shoulder while I was preparing. And uh, it's just, it's terrific just to see how God has been already speaking to us about this. What does it mean for us to live 
in the freedom of the victory that Christ has won for us. He's won a decisive victory over Satan, the enemy of our souls. He hasn't just sort of knocked him back a bit. He's, he's defeated Satan. Amen? Amen? Okay? We are no longer in the grip of the power of the enemy because the enemy has been defeated. He no longer has power and authority over us. We are free to live in the good of that. Are you living <coughs> in the good of the full and decisive victory of Jesus Christ, is my question today. Are you living in the good of it? And we're going to look at some ways in which maybe we can be drawn off into not living in the good of it, and then we're going to deliver one another back into the good of that. Okay, old hymn, here we go. You'll all know this one. Long. Anybody know which verse this is? From one word, anybody get it? Long my Imprisoned <laughs> spirit lay. Feel that? Ding! I got it in one. That was it. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray, and I woke, and the dungeon was flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free, and I rose, and I went forth, and I followed thee. This is the gospel. In my pastoral experience, <clears throat> it's not uncommon for some Christians to get about two-thirds of the way through that verse. <laughs> yeah? The dungeon is flamed with light. The chains fall off. The door flies open. And they just sit there. They just sit there. Then you've got to get up and rise up and you know, don't forget the last the last line. Rise up. Follow. Get out of your dungeon. Don't stay in the dungeon. Don't stay there. These things no longer have the power and authority over you anymore. Why are you still there? You should be walking out now in freedom. And in my pastoral experience, I just find quite frequently people are wrestling with the fact that Although the chains have been loosened and the door has been opened, the Christian remains sat where he was, with chains on the floor still sat in the cage. Well, Christ has won our freedom, and we must walk into that freedom, okay? And enjoy the freedom that Christ has won for us, and not continue living as if we're still in the dungeon, the things that held us captive before we met Christ no longer have that power in our lives unless we allow them to have that power. It's possible to do that. It's possible to allow these things to continue to have authority and power in our lives, although Christ has smashed that now. So you don't have to do that anymore. Okay. He has broken the power of sin and death, and we walk free and live in the good of that victory. So I have many verses in the Bible that I would describe as my favorite verse. Here's another one. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12, I have the right to do anything. You say not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything. But I will not be mastered by anything. Now I want you to grab this verse today. Okay? I want you to grab this verse today and apply it to your own life. Paul says, because Christ is my master, I will not be mastered by anything. 
Okay, repeat it after me. Because Christ is my master, I will not be mastered by anything. Because Christ is my master, I will not be mastered by anything. Okay, and I'm going to do, for the rest of my short time here, I'm going to talk about some of the things that we can allow to master us that Paul says no longer have the power and authority to master you unless you choose to allow them to have that. What is master in your life? Things that (coughs) used to have power and authority and would master us but now, because Christ is our master, we've been able to walk free from those things. Okay, what are some of the things? I've got a list of ten here. I managed to get through about three when I preached this earlier this morning. <laughs> I don't know how many of these I'm going to get through. Anybody here, just, uh, you know, that you have known what it's meant to live without Jesus and all the different things that crowded in on your life and shaped your life and defined your life. And then Jesus came and he beckoned you into the freedom of his victory. And then you said, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. And he delivered you from things that have previously mastered you. In a word or a short sentence, anybody here just call out some of the things that are appropriate for a family audience (laughs) that once mastered you, but now you have been set free. Anybody want to call out? Anger. Anger. Wonderful. Rejection. Rejection. Loneliness. Loneliness. Pleasing man. man. Hurry. Worry. Worry. (laughs) Some of us have to be delivered from hurry. Worry. Very good one. Deception. Deception. Yes. Fear, other people's opinions. Oh, we're going to go to town on that one. <laughs> I've got a list here. I mean, it includes many of these things. It will be for different of us who have different salvation journeys, different things that we've had to be, in a sense, learn not to allow to master us. So let's go through some of these things in no particular order. Number one, things that I will not be mastered by. This is how I talk to myself. I will not be mastered by this. I will not be mastered by Sin is not my master. And we heard someone earlier reading this to us. Romans 6.14. Sin shall no longer be your master. Because you are not under law, but under grace. So, I am appealing to you as your brother. If you are grappling with sin... If there is an area of huge temptation in your life, it's not my job here to come and judge you or condemn you or expose you or embarrass you or stand back and think, you know, there but for the grace of God go all of us. I'm here to say to you, there's the door of the cage. There it is. Walk out. Walk out. It doesn't have the authority in your life that it used to have. Don't be deceived. Before you met Jesus, you were a slave to sin. 
once, Romans 6, 17, we used to be slaves to sin. Now we're alive to God and we're slaves to righteousness. We go where righteousness leads. Not because of our obedience, but because of the obedience of Christ. Our salvation depends entirely on his obedience and it's perfect. It depends not at all on your obedience. It depends on your trust and faith in him that his obedience has made a way for you to get back to the Father. And in his perfect obedience, he has smashed the power of sin in your life so you no longer have to sin anymore and give your members to sin, as we were hearing that scripture being read to us earlier. So don't do it. Yeah, I'm not saying that in the sense of don't do it. I'm saying that in the sense of you don't have to do it. You have been set free from the curse of sin and death by the once-for-all decisive victory of Jesus when he cut off the enemy's head. It doesn't have the power in your life anymore. And a little later on, when I bring this message to a conclusion, I'm going to invite you to physically walk out of your cage. We don't need to know the detail. You don't need to if you don't want to share with us. And there'll be other things that I'll be inviting people to walk free from. But if this is something that is bugging you, you think, why am I still... You know, addictive behavior. You can walk free. It doesn't have that power over you anymore. You can walk out. Walk out of the, ch- of, of the chains and out of the cage. And I'm going to invite you a little later on. Just say, come and walk up. Come and walk out here. Walk down here. Just as a way of saying to the enemy, you don't have power over me anymore. I'm walking away. I am walking away. Drop the mic. Walk away. <laughs> yeah? It's over, Satan. It's over. You're dead. Heads off. Yeah, It might take me a little bit of while just to re-educate my body and re-educate my mind, but I'm walking away from this because I'm not a slave to this anymore. I'm going to walk away. Okay, I will not be mastered by sin. What else have we got here? I've got a whole menu. Here we go, fear. I will not be mastered by fear. Come on now, just a little bit of self-audit. I don't need a show of hands. Just ask yourself, are you living with some expression of fear yeah fear of man fear of death fear of failure fear of money fear of what people think fear of what people say I want you to walk away today to walk out of that cage Isaiah 43 verse 1 don't fear (laughs) do I need to explain that don't fear I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. 1 John 4 18. We often get, like a lot of verses, we get halfway through the verse and then don't always read it through to the end. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Amen? We're in the perfect love of Jesus. It has cast out the fear in our lives. Hallelujah. For fear has to do with punishment. You're living in fear. You're punishing yourself. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. That's the end of that verse that we don't always get to. So if you are wrestling with fears, and I'm not here to condemn you or judge you, we all do. But you are not living 
in the perfection of the love of Jesus, if that is the case. And he has delivered you from fear. There is nothing to fear. Do not be afraid. Don't fear. I've redeemed you. Don't do it. So today, I'm going to invite you. When we come to the end of my message, when I finish rambling and ranting, and we have a little song to finish, I'm going to say, look, if you've been wrestling with fear, come and walk away. Just almost like I'm going to, this is almost like in, what I'm doing with my body is a, is a mark of what I'm doing in my spirit and in my mind. Satan, I'm walking away. You have no power over me. You're defeated. I'm not going to live captive to these fears anymore. I'm no longer a slave to fear because I'm a child of God. Amen? What else could we do? Uh, let's see how we're doing. Uh, what about um, what people say? There's something you raised a moment ago. What, what, are, what do people say about us? What do they think about us? Okay. It shall not master us. It shall not master you. Do not allow what people think and say to master you. Don't listen to people who don't listen to God. Ben Davis from Wales used to say that. Don't listen to people who don't listen to God. Okay? If people are listening to God and they're trying to speak into your life and bring goodness and richness, and well, then listen to them. But if people are broken and damaged and dysfunctional and not listening to God, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. There's so much I can say on this. Who's, through whose eyes do you see your own life? Do you look at your own life through the eyes of a God in heaven who loves you, who cherishes you, who thinks you're wonderful? Or do you look at yourself through the eyes of that parent who despised you and only had bad things to say to you? Whose eyes are you looking through? Are you looking through your own eyes? Well, I okay, what God says, I know better than God. I'm rubbish. All these people, look at them, they're all looking at me. You know, they're all t- oh, they're talking about me again? I bet they are. I bet they are. Well, that's a bit narcissistic, actually. Actually, worrying all the time about what other people think about you is, is a form of vanity. Why are people thinking about you? You're not so important. <laughs> They're too busy thinking about themselves. And actually, the root of vanity is idolatry. Because we're placing ourselves in the center. You know, I'm the most important person. What people think about me is the most important thing. No, it's not. What the most important thing is, is what Jesus thinks about you. That's the most important thing. And do we know what Jesus thinks about us? Oh, dear. You're getting a bit worried now. (laughs) He might be setting us a trap. So I'll keep quiet on this one. I'll let someone else put their head above the parapet. Can someone here tell me what they think Jesus thinks about them? He loves us. Anyone else? A love that never dies. What else does he think about us? My son, my daughter. My friends. Sorry? You're worth dying for. I'll give you everything I've got for you. Yeah, I accept you. Whose words are more important for you? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's how we're going to live. 
That's how I'm going to define myself. Yeah, that person who said wounding things, that person who should have loved me and built me up has knocked me down, but I'm going to give more authority to the words of God and to the words of Jesus. And if you choose not to do that, then you have made an idol. You've made an idol of that person. You've given them more authority than you've given God. Don't do that. That is the most hideous thing. To allow the words of a broken, damaged person who was not listening to God to have more authority in your life than the words of Father God who loves you is a hideous thing. It's an idolatry. If you allow your own words to have more authority than the words of God, you've made yourself an idol. Ooh, don't do it. Calm down, Morris. <laughs> this is the gospel. Why give the dignity to someone who's got nothing good to say to you? And why allow that to shape your life? Why do I have to pastor people who've been Christians for decades who are still living through the eyes of that person who spoke those words over their life? When they've been walking with Jesus for decades, he says, no, it's okay. You're all right. I love you. You're great. You're the apple of my eye. I gave my life for you, but you're still giving more authority to that idiot over there who had no good thing to say about you. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is, Jesus, your words shaped my life. Please. So can we walk free from that today? Are you walking in the shadow of words spoken over your life that have shaped you more than you dare admit. Because I'm not going to walk with that anymore. I'm not going to live with that anymore. I'm fed up with that. Satan, <laughs> drop the mic. Walk away. I'm walking into the arms of Jesus. Yeah? He's the only one who's got the words of eternal life. He's the only one worth listening to. Don't listen to people who don't listen to God. Hallelujah. Oh, out of time. Here we go. What else? Uh, anger. Walk away. Jesus is very unimpressed with anger. He said, you might, as well, you might as well murder someone. Read it for yourself. It's in Matthew 5. Yeah? Don't, we don't want to get anger. Get rid of it. Bitterness. Walk out. Walk away. Walk away. You don't want to be a slave to anger anymore. What do you want to be angry about? You know? See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, that no bitter root may grow up and defile many. Like, you know, if we're living with constant anger, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And if you think that it's okay to be angry, something's wrong. Not because I'm standing here saying you mustn't be angry, but because you shouldn't be angry. <laughs> what is there to be angry about? Yeah, And if you are angry, if you're living with anger, if you're a suffering wife whose husband explodes with anger behind closed doors, his sweetness and light to everybody else, or if you're a husband living with this explosive, simmering wife, something's wrong. Okay, I'm not here to condemn or judge. I'm just saying that's not the gospel. That should not be the fruit of the gospel. The fruit of the gospel should be that we are able to identify what it is is at the root of this and deal with it because it no longer has power and mastery and authority over us. And we can walk away and live in the fruit and blessing of the victory that Jesus has obtained for us.
Yeah? Bitter, a bitter heart defiles many. It's not just something that affects you. It affects all the people around you. Uh, guilt. You're feeling guilty. Well, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah? Receive forgiveness. Are you living with false guilt? Walk away. Today, walk away. Addiction. If the sun sets you free, low self-image, uh, well, God loves you. What's the problem? Move on. That's that one done. Right. There's more. I could say many more. Don't throw away your confidence, it says in Hebrews 10. Don't throw away your confidence. It's a, it's a suggestion that there's something within our control and permission. We can throw away that which has been given to us. Someone or some situation cannot master us unless we allow it. Jesus faced many situations that could have mastered him. He faced the storm. Creation tried to master him. He calmed the storm. He faced legion, hell, demonic hordes tried to master him. They were set packing. Sickness tried to master him. He healed everybody that came to him. Death tries to master him, not just his own death, but those that were brought to him that he raised from the dead. Talitha Kum, come out! The mockers tried to master him. They couldn't. Doubts tried to master him. He didn't allow it. Jesus overcame all this. He did not throw away his confidence and allow these things to master him. And he has gone before us. He is not mastered by creation, by hell, by sickness, by death, by mockery, by doubting friends and neighbors, by the persecution of his dearest friends and colleagues. Jesus overcame all these forms of intimidation and has made a way for us. Religious leaders, Roman authorities, the desertion of his closest friends at his time of greatest need, and they remained his closest friends. Note, Satan, temptation, the garden of Gethsemane, the cross, his own death. Even his own family attempted to intimidate him through emotional blackmail. Do not throw away your confidence. We will face intimidation on all sides, but we remain, remind ourselves of who we are in Jesus Christ. This is our floor, not our ceiling. When Jesus says, in you I am well pleased, yeah? Because of what Christ has done, that is the floor you build your life on. That's not as good as it's going to get. That's where it starts. Yeah? That's where it's, your starting point as a Christian is, I'm well pleased with you. That's your starting point. That's your floor. You build up from there. Okay? Being found secure in Christ and the promises and realities of his grace... Living with the knowledge of his approval and presence and power. This is what Christ has obtained for us. This is the type we see of David slaying Goliath. Jesus had slain the enemy so that we can live in the good of all of the plunder, the benefits that Christ has obtained for us through his perfect obedience and through God's faithfulness to him. I want you to walk away today from those things that threaten to master you. So I'll call our Worship team back. If you want to come back, please, folks. In a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand and we will pray and we will sing. And then I will just invite you. And as I say, we don't need to know all the, the details unless it's helpful for you to share with someone. I, w- I just want you to ask that question. Is there something threatening to master me? But Christ is my master. I will not be mastered by anything. 
is there something threatening to master me? Sin? Fear? Worrying about what other people think or say? Anger? Bitterness? Low self-esteem? Any of those things, many more things that I could have mentioned. Anything that you think, this is threatening to master me. But I'm saying, walk away. And I, in a moment, when we sung for a while, and you've just brought your hearts before Jesus, I'd invite you to do that, just to say, well, just as a mark of disrespect to the enemy, I can invite you to walk away. Come, come up here, just walk away. So I'm walking away from that. And then the ministry team, Tom and others, will, as, uh, as it may be helpful to you, will we'll move among you and pray with you. So let's stand together. And let me pray, and then we'll sing, and then I'll invite you to come forward. Let's just lift our hands out in surrender if you feel comfortable doing that. We surrender to you, Jesus. You're our master. You're the beautiful one. Oh, you're our amazing king. You're our brother. You call us friends. And you are the one who knows what's best for us in all things. And you're the one who has all power and authority for us who believe. And we're not going to allow anything else to master us, Jesus. And we ask you to forgive us when we do. We ask you to forgive us when we turn away from your beautiful authority and attempt to live by the authority of something which is hideous and evil and the power of which has now been broken. Lord, forgive us when we allow that to shape us. We want to walk away from that today. I pray you give us the courage and the confidence today. We're not going to throw away our confidence. We're not going to be mastered or intimidated by anything. And where things are threatening to master us or where we've even allowed things to master us, even if we may not know how to work this out, we want to make a a statement of intent to the enemy and say, I'm going to walk away from this. I may need some help to pray it through and educate my thought processes in a fresh way. But I'm making a statement of intent to the enemy that you no longer have authority over me. I'm not going to live as if you still have some mastery over me when your mastery has been cut off. You've been cut off, Satan. You don't have that authority anymore. I'm not going to live cringing before sin. I'm not going to live cringing before irrational fears. I'm not going to live cringing before worrying about what people might think or say. I'm not going to live cringing before the words spoken into my life by people who don't listen to God. I'm not going to live cringing before addiction, before low self-worth and low self-esteem. I'm not going to live cringing before any of these things anymore. I'm going to live surrendered to you, Jesus, because you're my master and you only have beautiful things for me. You have got life and life in abundance for me. listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.